Welcome to the Drop the Mic Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Michael Davis. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving last week. We had several Thanksgiving traditions of Survivor Series and WrestleCade that went very smoothly, and I'll be recapping both of those, as well as understanding the dynamic of NXT 2.0 as we gear up for War Games this Sunday and the NXT 2.0 regime is going to be taking over the black and gold brand. More of that to come. But first, we have the Survivor Series recap. Now, I like to be told that I am right, correct? When, whenever I tell a friend something and two, three weeks later, it turns out I was right. I'm that type of person who wants to be like, hey, uh, you, you remember what I said? Uh, I will be this person. I will say I told you so. And two weeks ago when I was on uh, the podcast last, because, of course, we had our Thanksgiving break last week, I told you that Survivor Series was very predictable. It was going to be Raw dominating the entire show with Roman Reigns taking away the clean sweep for Monday Night Raw. I believe this is the second year that this has happened, and I was right. So, it was very interesting how they got to this point, of course, because on the kickoff show, they moved Shinsuke Nakamura, the Intercontinental Champion, and Damian Priest, the United States Champion, to the kickoff, okay? This, obviously, uh, was not on the main show, so it didn't count towards the total, but Shinsuke Nakamura beat Damian Priest by disqualification, therefore, technically giving SmackDown a victory, on the night, but it didn't count because one, it was disqualification, and two, it was on the kickoff show. And to move that to the kickoff show, I thought was very peculiar. But as the night went along, I understood what happened. And Becky Lynch faced Charlotte Flair, the opening match, which they got about 20 minutes uh, worth of time to tell their story. And Overall, a decent match. Um, I don't, I don't complain about Becky Lynch or Charlotte Flair's in-ring work, except for Becky's attempt at a figure four leg lock. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go back and watch. It was kind of atrocious where Charlotte's leg wasn't even in Becky Lynch's possession. Um, solid match right there. And then the five-on-five men's Survivor Series match. Of course, Team Raw beat Team SmackDown. And interesting that. A couple notes here. Kevin Owens started the match and walked out at the very beginning and given SmackDown a 5-4 advantage, um, obviously extending the feud between Owens and Rollins. And then another thing that jumped out to me was Austin Theory. Now, Austin Theory was a late ad in replace of Rey Mysterio, and he has been getting a very big push and... You know, if you watched Raw the following night, there was the grand Cleopatra's egg, which I will get to here in a moment. But Team Raw takes that one. Uh, the 25th anniversary, 25-man. Bow Royal, of course, the 25th anniversary of The Rock's debut at Survivor Series. Omos wins, beating Ricochet. And Ricochet honestly gave got everyone's hopes up there towards the end, but... It, it, a guy like Ricochet is not eliminating Omos, and, you know, 
probably by this time next year, Omos is going to be a bigger player in WWE. Um, RK Bro beat the Usos by pinfall. Pretty, pretty simple to understand that one. And then, of course, the women's Team Raw beat Team SmackDown for the women's. Uh, and then with the main event, Roman Reigns beating Big E, taking away that clean sweep for Monday Night Raw uh, on the main show. So I just, I just want to say how it wasn't a bad show, but you could obviously tell the drop off between Full Gear and Survivor Series if you're comparing the two. And I believe a lot of fans got bored during the show. You could hear CM Punk chants during the women's match. You could hear uh, CM Punk chants, AEW chants, and this stuff sucks, <laughs> to, to put it lightly. And, you know, these fans are obviously watching both products now. And they're expecting a lot more from WWE now that there is a little bit of a war going on. And WWE, in, in my opinion, and many others, didn't deliver to Survivor Series-esque, right? Uh, Roman Reigns and Big E had a good match. Charlotte and Becky, uh, probably a little less on the scale. Um, the five-on-fives were okay. Um, but yeah... And, of course, the big letdown was The Rock not appearing on his 25th anniversary, which they didn't necessarily advertise The Rock for for the event, but it was, it was kept going that The Rock debuted on this day. There's rumors about The Rock coming back to challenge Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship in the future, albeit at this WrestleMania in Dallas or the next one in Hollywood. Either one of those would be super fitting for the match, but the Rock, the Rock stays away, and I was honestly, th- this was my big disappointment. The The highlights that they chose to advertise The Rock or advertise The Rock's 25th anniversary were pretty lackluster. There were not a lot of Attitude Era things to hype up The Rock. It was all... Um, a little bit into his, um, after his re- return back in 2011, 2012. It was like him talking to Becky Lynch in the ring. I'm like, that's not what we think about when it comes to The Rock. We think about the people's elbow. We think about him turning and joining the McMahons at Survivor Series. We think about... uh the rock concerts back in his Hollywood days. Like we think of these moments and they just didn't recap the best of the rocks career. And throughout the entire night. Okay. (laughs) Throughout the entire night, Vince McMahon, uh, steps out of a limo with a bunch of the lower card guys on the roster and he's holding up this Cleopatra egg. Okay, this Cleopatra egg that's sponsoring uh, that's sponsoring the movie that The Rock just came out with on Netflix, Red Notice. So Cleopatra's egg is in this movie, and Vince's whole thing was, oh, The Rock personally gifted this 
$100 million egg to me. And, of course, you have a lot of the fake low-card reactions of, oh my gosh, this is so special. Once Vince steps out of the limo with this golden Cleopatra egg. And, of course, I don't, I don't knock WWE in terms of, like, partnering with The Rock in his movie and trying to get him good publicity and trying to tie it in with somewhat in the show. But the $100 million egg comes just a couple weeks after a huge budget cut releases. So it was, it was pretty uh, not well-timed, to say the least, with this expensive $100 million Cleopatra egg and you just made quote unquote budget cuts. It, it was a little, a little bit of poor taste, but the egg is stolen, and they try to get you to tune in to Monday Night Raw uh, the following night to see who stole the egg and what punishment he's going to get. And then Vince is like, "Okay, whoever does uh, find the egg, they're going to get a WWE Championship match." And so Sami Zayn trying to get his world title opportunity. He finds Austin Theory guilty of stealing the egg. And Austin Theory's explanation was, I just wanted a selfie. And instead of Vince punishing Austin Theory, Austin Theory gets a WWE title match with Biggie later that night. And Sami Zayn is just, he's going ballistic, right? Um, he's going berserk. It... Austin Theory is going to be a big-time player in the WWE if he doesn't get cut, of course. Um, but there's high hopes for Austin Theory, and that gave him a little glimpse and a little opportunity. So at the end of the day, it wasn't a bad idea. Maybe it was poor on how they got there, but to each their own. And so when we come back, we're going to talk about another Thanksgiving tradition. Um, I was thankful to be a part of WrestleCade this year, and we'll talk about FanFest. We'll talk about the main event that got recognized by Paul Heyman, and talk about how the future of the wrestling business is going to benefit WrestleCade. That and more next. Welcome back to the Drop the Mic Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Michael Davis. And after just talking about Survivor Series just a few moments ago, we're going to talk about another Thanksgiving tradition, WrestleCade. And if you are from the North Carolinas, you are very familiar with WrestleCade. That's been a fan fest since 2012, I believe. And I've been mostly every year. I didn't know about it the first year. And, of course, they didn't have it back in 2020 because of the pandemic. And in 2019, that was Kane's first appearance. And we were going to the show. And, obviously, me and my family live on a, a, a gravel road, so not a lot of state maintenance there. We start going out, and there is a power line uh, down in the middle of the road. It snowed the night before, and we're trapped. <laughs> we're trapped and we can't make it to wrestle k which was a huge bummer but this is my first time coming back then since i believe 2018 and it's always I, I consider it christmas even though it is thanksgiving weekend it is my christmas come early and 
if you have never been to Wrestlecade and you are a wrestling fan, that this this is your thing. This is your Christmas. And just to let you know, Wrestlecade is a three day event. I haven't been to Friday and Sunday just because uh, we don't live in Winston Salem. But Saturday's the big day. It starts out with a fan fest meet and greet where you're meeting the wrestlers and you're getting autographs, you're getting pictures, you're getting merch, and you just get at, go up and have conversations with a lot of them, and it's it's a really great time. And then they shut down the doors for about an hour or two. I uh, usually grab like a lunch slash dinner at the time, and then come back for a super show, which was headlined this this weekend by Malachi Black and buddy matthews which I'll, I'll get into here in a couple minutes um but fan fest was super awesome i just want to say thank you to everyone who puts it together uh tracy myers brian hawks and the vendors for helping bring a lot of the talent out um if you follow my personal instagram you saw uh, i got to meet the ascension uh, i got to meet the north carolina boys ftr which um, the very first people I met was the Ascension. Um, right when you walked in the door, there was the Ascension, and uh, I've been a huge fan of them since NXT and FTR. Obviously, North Carolina boys. I I even like saw uh, who now goes by Dax Harwood, um, formerly known as Scott Dawson in NXT. I knew him before Scott Dawson, and he was going under Casey McKnight, and he v- had very Bobby Roode like hair the long short length hair and i was like oh my gosh dad that's bobby Roode." and of course i was young enough at the time to actually believe it um but got to meet ftr that was really cool um the two names that everyone's going to recognize is kane and kurt angle this was kane's second appearance there and kurt angle's first and it was so cool getting to go up to both of them that i never thought i'd be able to meet otherwise um, and get to tell Kurt Angle that my first WrestleMania I got to watch on TV was Angle versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 21. Um, and got to ask Kane what his favorite mask was. And of course, it's the original one. Um, debunked the X Pac sort of makeover that people said that, oh, there, there were talks about Kane's mask being black and green. And I asked about that. And he's, he's just shaking his head. He's like, there's no way. That's not Kane. And I'm like, that's right. That is not Kane. Um, got to meet Malachi Black. And so, so cool of a guy. Um, I, I was really impressed with him. I've been a huge fan of his work since he debuted in NXT. And uh, got to meet the Gun Club. Of course, I've met Billy Gunn um, years, years ago. And it was really cool because one of my favorite memories of Billy Gunn. So uh, my dad, he had a friend uh, in high school, and he used to do sound system for a lot of the local indie stuff. Um, Would go up to West Virginia, Virginia, South Carolina, um, anywhere surrounding to do sound for the shows. And he would help my dad and me and my younger brother get into the shows. And uh, my dad was actually tasked with um, giving Billy Gunn a ride from the hotel to the airport after the show. And so it's like super late at night, and my dad's driving a Kia Optima, and it's me and my brother and my mom in the back seat, Billy Gunn sitting in the passenger seat, 
And if you don't know how small a Kia Optima is, it, it, it's pretty tiny, um, especially for a guy the size of Billy Gunn. So he leans the seat all the way back, and he starts the ride with, hey, ask me any question, and we did. We asked every single question. My dad thankfully drove a lot slower that night than he would in another normal time, and that was just a memorable night that not not everybody gets to do, you know? Not everybody gets to ride with Billy Gunn in their car and just have a Q&A session with him and got to meet Billy and his sons. Um, got to see, also, I was wearing a Brad Attitude shirt the entire night, and I, I went in and walked all the way around. There were two rooms, um, not including Sting, who was also there, and there were two rooms, and I walked all through the Benton Convention Center and could not find Brad Attitude, um, who's a local guy. He was in Boone, North Carolina. He's a big app fan and wrestles a lot locally in the Indies. Was at my 18th birthday party. Like Brad Attitude is the guy. Not many people know him. He was in WWE's Development for a time. I keep walking, walking, walking. Several people like The Ascension or Fondango. I got to meet him or Dirty Dongo now. They were like, oh, Attitude shirt, cool. Brad's Brad's my friend, you know? And I'm like, cool. Well, I'm like trying to find him. And about maybe like 45 minutes before the doors close, he hollers at us and he's just hanging out. And we're like, oh my gosh, we were looking everywhere for you. That was a cool moment. Um, got to meet uh, the Good Brothers, uh, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson. Um, super great guys, super fun. Um, was hanging out with Kurt Angle's kid most of the day. Um, got to meet Jay White representing Bullet Club and got to meet one, one of the coolest things was um, if you remember the early TNA days, um, America's Most Wanted, James Storm and Chris Harris got to meet them, got a photo op with them. That was that was pretty cool. I've, I've never even heard of them doing main conventions together. So that was a really great grab. Um, got a picture with Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man and IRS. And got to have a conversation with Ted DiBiase and the ministry he's doing the last 21 years. And got got to meet some of the um, women wrestlers. Got to meet Kelly Kelly, who started back in 06, um, right when I was starting to get into wrestling. Got to see Eva Lee, who's done a lot of intergender matches. Um, and she's really proud of that. Um, got to meet Melina. If you don't remember Melina, she was in Eminem with Johnny Nitro and Jerry Mercury and would do the split going in the ring. Melina was one of the nicest people I've ever met, period. Um, she was super nice, um, super excited to meet her. Got to meet Brian Myers, who I've always admired a little more than Matt Cardona. Um, I mentioned Dory Dongo. I got to meet Jay Lethal again. Um, another great story was... It was Jay Lethal's 21st birthday, and we were up in a hotel in, I believe, Virginia or West Virginia. Um, I think for, I think Virginia. Yeah, Virginia. And we were walking down the hallway, and a hotel room door was swung open, and there's 21-year-old Jay Lethal jumping on the bed saying, it's my birthday, it's my birthday. And we went up to Jay Lethal um, towards the end of the convention. We're like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if you – like, remember me, but, you know, this is what happened and everything. And he started recalling the actual event, the show. Um, it was just an awesome opportunity to meet him. 
got to meet uh, Eric Rowan, uh, formerly known Eric Ronan. He's now Eric Redbeard, and formerly known as Braun Strowman. Two awesome guys. Obviously, I've been a Wyatt family uh, fan for quite some time, and still still say that Bray Wyatt should have went over at WrestleMania 30 against John Cena, but whatever. Um, so getting to meet Eric Rowan, um, getting to meet Braun Strowman, and Braun Strowman, I got up there, and I, I, I love having conversations with the wrestlers. That's my favorite thing about the Fan Fest. You know, of course, you can get an autograph that you store away for 10, 20 years and look back and like, oh, I got his autograph. Or you have a picture. I love taking pictures um, with the talent. It's like, you know, you have something to look back on um, and see the smile on your face and see sort of how you were feeling and everything when it happened. But the conversations are the best. And I may have gotten like 10 or 12 words in to Braun Strowman. And Braun Strowman had the conversation with me. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't anything forced. It was a genuine thing. I know he loves doing these wrestling conventions. Uh, I know he's traveling up to Wisconsin, uh, to do another thing for the, uh, parade accident that happened, um, supporting those families. And, uh, one of the cooler things is, you know, with FanFest, you have all these big names and we're going to talk about a little bit of how WrestleCade's evolved over the last several years. Um, so you're so you're going to pay like X amount of money to get a picture made with this person, or X amount of money to uh, get their autograph, or to get some merch. But there were two people giving away uh, pictures and autographs and merch for free, and that was Lodi and Mad Ben Fulton. I've been a huge fan of Lodi's ever since I can remember. Um, he's a good Christian man, and he's just faithful to the Lord. And so when his return match happened, me, my dad, and my brother drove to Kinston, North Carolina, um, which was quite a drive um, from where we live, to watch Lodi and his return match with Sky Matthews and Team Fearless. Um, but we also got to meet Madman Fulton. They they gave away free pictures, free merch, free autographs. And I'm I'm sitting there talking to Madman Fulton for a good 20 25 minutes before dad pulls me away and he's like son we got we we gotta go like other people were wanting to meet him but th this was and I've, I, I've had several friends who went to the show as well this was um such a great wrestlecade experience um for the fan fest um and truly i believe that the state of wrestling benefits things like Wrestlecade. And of course, like we've seen so many people released in the last year, year and a half by WWE. Um ROH is obviously um about to go on hiatus starting this month. But Wrestlecade like thrives on these people, you know? Imagine the people we got to see in WWE in the last two years who I got to meet at WrestleCade, got to meet FTR and The Ascension, FTR still on AEW, got to meet uh, Malachi Black, got to meet The Good Brothers, like, got to meet um, so many of these guys, Fandango, Jay Lethal, Brian Myers, Braun Strowman, Eric Rowan, got to meet all these people, and I'm just, I'm just recapping from the day, I'm like, I would never have gotten to meet 
all these different people two years ago. I wouldn't have gotten to meet them three, four years Heck, even six months ago. You know, Braun Strowman was still contracted with WWE back in the summer. It's this free agency and the state of wrestling right now benefits these conventions because they can get like bigger names uh, to come in. And WrestleCade started out with like a lot of older guys and a lot of younger guys and a few people like you've seen on TV, but they didn't really make it big, you know. And here we are meeting former world champions or big TV stars. And honestly, WrestleCade, um, one of the best, if not the best, Saturdays that they have put on. And again, thank you to Tracy and thank you to Brian. Uh, the Super Show, really fun. Uh, got to see Brad Attitude wrestle uh, in an eight-man tag and then almost win the Battle Royal that night. Got to... See Black Machismo, Jay Lethal uh, return, which is Jay Lethal's spin on the Macho Man Randy Savage character. Uh, he was a big Macho Man fan. Uh, got to see the main event that stole everything away was Malachi Black and Buddy Matthews. Th this, this was a dream match, and I I'm so, so thankful we got to see their first match since WWE uh, at WrestleCade live in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And they stole the show. They were awesome. They didn't hold back, um, which is obviously like a hesitation from like, okay, you're not on TV. You're not like fighting for your job. You're, you know, doing a fan fest thing. No, you, there's not a lot of screens on this. Of course, it was recorded and you can probably buy your WrestleCade DVD here soon. Hopefully they're coming out with a DVD and, but you don't know if they'll go all out. They went all out and, Malachi Black and Buddy Matthews, I've met both of them. Um, Buddy at an AML show um, about a couple months before, and Malachi Black the day of the event, and they tore the house down. WrestleCade was by far um, one of my favorite moments of 2021, and I can't wait for next year, 2022. Um, I'm, not, I'm not being sponsored by WrestleCade in any way, but if you want to go buy your tickets, uh, be sure you don't buy them before I buy mine. And <laughs> so uh, that that was WrestleCade. When we come back, we're going to talk about NXT War Games and how NXT 2.0 begins this Sunday. And that and more coming up right on the show. Welcome back to the Drop the Mic Wrestling Podcast, and of course, it is time for War Games, and of course, I can't do it as well as NXT General Manager William Regal, but I mentioned a little briefly on the last show about NXT 2.0 and the black and gold brand. Of course, everyone loved the black and gold brand, like the hardcore, diehard wrestling fans uh who love the independent scene they loved the original nxt and nxt's been rebranded as nxt 2.0 that has these fresh bright color paints and a lot of new talent they introduced really quick and you know this the nxt 2.0 era didn't begin when 
they changed all the graphics and introduced all these new wrestlers. Like the NXT 2.0 era begins this Sunday, and you know, there's obviously there's this great debate whether you know should they have rebranded NXT? Do you uh, fix what's not broken? And honestly, this could be the turning point in the current wrestling war between WWE and AEW. And if you don't know how we got here, AEW beats NXT head-to-head on the Wednesday Night Wars. NXT tucks their tail between their legs and goes off to Tuesdays. And Triple H obviously has a very serious uh, cardiac event, um, which is being described as. And Vince comes in with Bruce Prichard and completely remodels and changes NXT from what it was to what it is now. And it's caused for a lot of wrestlers to be released, like Bobby Fish and Bronson Reed. And a lot of people to be like, "Eh, I don't want to be a part of this, like Adam Cole, Bebe. And there's several wrestlers who are expiring contracts, like... Johnny Gargano and Kyle O'Reilly that are still trying to decide whether they want to be a part of this or if they want to take their ball and try elsewhere. And the big knock with Vince and the main roster right now is guys will be really great in NXT, and then when they get moved to the main roster, their gimmicks change, their names change, everything about them is changed or watered down, and they eventually end up getting released, like Karrion Cross and Keith Lee and Aleister Black. And there's so many of these guys um, that WWE just doesn't capitalize on once they're at the main roster. And so with the NXT 2.0 and Vince having more of a hands-on approach to NXT 2.0, I think this is going to be very interesting, obviously. Diehard wrestling fans absolutely hate this uh, new branding and the way the product's going. But it is back to being a developmental brand uh, that its original purpose was intended for. Like, this isn't Triple H's indie darling promotion that he gets to control. But it is like, hey, we're gearing these people up for the main roster. So when they get to the main roster, they have a gimmick we like. They have a character we like. We don't want to change their name. Like, they can just move them from NXT to WWE, which I hope is the new uh, intention with this remodel of like, okay, we don't have to take them through many changes because we did the changes down in NXT. and. Whether this benefits WWE long-term or not, um, it very well could be because now they are modeling and building up their uh, future of WWE in NXT at their developmental brand, even if NXT's product suffers because of it. And so, this Sunday is War Games, and I'm going to start with, we have a couple uh, a couple championship matches. We have Imperium, Fabian Eichner, and Marcel Bartel um, versus Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner. And I'm not entirely sure how this goes. Um, it, 
I really want to say they put the titles on O'Reilly and Von Wagner because they are going to push Wagner to the very top. Like, he he is one of the guys that they're going to push. But O'Reilly's contract ends very soon. So, in my mind, I think Imperium's going over and keeping the titles. Um, if Kyle O'Reilly has not re-signed with WWE um, and eventually Wagner's going to find himself in the NXT title picture. Um, the other title match for the evening is Roger Strong defend the Cruiserweight Championship against Joe Gacy. I I have a theory that Joe Gacy beats Roger Strong this Sunday and wins the Cruiserweight Championship, and this is the end of the Cruiserweight Championship. And here's why, okay? First of all, Joe Gacy is 245 pounds, okay? Joe Gacy is not at near the 205 mark. So Jace, Joe Gacy is not a cruiserweight, okay? And he's facing Roger Strong, who has the cruiserweight title. If Joe Gacy wins, he's been preaching for the last several weeks about inclusion and how everyone's accepted, and NXT is now a safe place for everyone and doesn't, you know, focus on height requirements or body image or gender barriers. Like, Joe Gacy has this very inclusive character, which is kind of disingenuous. Joe Gacy wins the title this Sunday, and that is the end of the Cruiserweight title. I can completely see Joe Gacy either discarding the Cruiserweight title completely or having a title of his own, maybe maybe the NXT Openweight Championship. Um, but with 205 Live, um, not even exclusive to Cruiserweights anymore, um, and with Joe Gacy competing for the Cruiserweight title at a whopping 245 pounds, about LeBron James's weight, but obviously not his height. Uh, I'm I'm assuming this is the very end of the cruiserweight title um, in Joe Gacy's hands. And speaking of the end of something, we're going to see somebody's head shaved with Cameron Grimes versus Duke Hudson in a hair versus hair match. Uh, Duke Hudson, one of these NXT 2.0 talents, and Cameron Grimes already got most of his hair cut um, and beard trimmed recently, which is not the Cameron Grimes, or the, especially not even the Trevor Lee look. Um, Cameron, Grant, Cameron Grimes is a lot more cleaned up. And when NXT 2.0 started, um, or when they rebranded, uh, they were talking about cleaning up Cameron's look. And I've, I've been a huge fan of him since Trevor Lee. Of course, he was at my 18th birthday party along with Right Attitude. Uh, that was mentioned earlier. And so... Usually, we see the face win and the hill get their head shaved, and I'm I'm just, I'm thinking since they already did the little remodel of Cameron Grimes, shortening up his hair and beard, I think Grimes wins this match and beats Duke Hudson and shaves Duke Hudson's head. I think that's what I'm going with, because if they shave Cameron Grimes bald, that WWE's done the Adam Cole treatment to Cameron Grimes. Um, and once they release him, like, he'll go back to not, like, completely losing his identity. Um, so, 
So for Cameron's sake, hopefully he wins this hair versus hair match. Duke gets his head shaved. It'll take him like three months to grow it back and no harm, no foul. And so we have two War Games matches. We have Team Raquel with Raquel Gonzalez, Io Shirai, Cora Jade, and Kaylee Ray versus Team Dakota, which is Dakota Kai, and Toxic Attractions, Gigi Dolan, JC Jane, and NXT champion Mandy Rose. Mandy obviously um, win the title from Raquel, I believe. And th- this is this is where we're starting to see, okay, this is this is an XT 2.0. Um, I don't see Raquel winning this one. I feel like we're going to keep riding Toxic Attraction. Dakota Kai, I've been really impressed with Dakota Kai recently. Uh, ever since she made the split with Raquel Gonzalez, she's been putting on really great matches. And her facial expressions this past week on NXT were top-notch. They, they were awesome against Kaylee Ray. And I, f- I feel like Team Dakota and Toxic Attraction is going to win this match. And then we have Team Black and Gold versus Team 2.0 in a War Games match. We have Tommaso Ciampa, Giant Gargano reuniting DIY. Uh, teaming up with Pete Dunne and LA Knight, formerly known as Eli Drake, uh, to face Team 2.0, which is Braun Breaker. Uh, looks like his dad, Rick. Talks like his uncle, Scott. Uh, real name is Steiner. Uh, you got Carmelo Hayes, the guy when he shoots, he can't miss. Got Grayson Waller with the Australian accent. And then we got Tony D'Angelo, who is heavy New Jersey, New York uh, type of character. This is, I, I mentioned it just moments ago. This is where Team Black and Gold goes to die. And if it, I'll, I'll say what's going to happen and then what I would hope would happen if Vince and company hear this podcast by any chance and decide, oh, that's a good idea. You know, I'm, you can currently uh, come find me for a writer job. What, what I know is going to happen is Team 2.0 is going to win this War Games match. Uh, Breaker is probably going to get the victory over Tommaso Ciampa and set up a Breaker and Champa rematch for the NXT Championship. That's that, that's what's going to happen. Um, what they would be smart to do is have, have Team Black and Gold win. Okay, you have four established guys, okay, and obviously putting the Team 2.0 in a match with them in the main event elevates them quickly um but you keep the legitimacy around champa hopefully you convince gargano to stay you have pete dunn who needs a main roster call up soon and then you have la knight who is the typical vince guy with the mic skills and look and the ring ability like strap a rocket to la knight and send him to the moon and that's not cameron grimes reference that's just how good la knight is um, give them the win and have this divulge into a four different rivalries you have. Heck, have even LA Knight turn on Team Black and Gold and help Team 2.0 win and have LA Knight just surrounded by four guys, sort of like a Nexus 
kind of strategy um, to help him out in his pursuit of Tommaso Champion in the NXT title. There, there, there's the big thing. Like, you have to get a challenger for Tommaso Champion's NXT Championship from this War Games match. Like, you need that for the next few weeks, for the next pay-per-view, whenever that match is. And you have to make sure the Team 2.0 uh, is protected and they're relevant and they get a push whether win or lose, um, which is obviously like their priority. And it'd be a bonus if you kept the legitimacy of your NXT champion, Tommaso Ciampa, if you kept Johnny Gargano around and then you kept Pete Dunne and LA Knight, uh, kept them like in the hunt of the main event title picture. But it's it's going to be Team 2.0. It, it's, it's the end of the black and gold era as we knew it. It was a great run. Maybe one podcast here soon. We'll do a uh, memoriam for the NXT black and gold brand. But War Games is this Sunday. I, I, I hope it's great. I expect it to be great. But thank you all so much for tuning in. Be sure to share this on your social media account. Share this with your friends. And until next time. I'll see y'all next week. And here's been the Drop the Mic Wrestling Podcast.